majority of the people, 99% of the people elected are not experts in the multi-million dollar life chain decisions that, that they have to vote upon. Um, I learned quite a bit about this game and I'm planning to let everybody know about what that game is and how to run for office and be effective in holding governments accountable. So my name is Matthew A. Pigott, P-I-G-A-T-T. I'm a leadership coach, and I work with parents and families who prepare their children for college and beyond. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, when I tell you God's timing is always better than mine, I've been waiting for this interview, but you got to wait for certain people. Certain people, they're so busy doing the work like Lauren Hills, they change their lives. This gentleman is really changing lives. And if he allows, you might see it somewhere during this interview. I'm going to have his speech because he is the former mayor of Opelika. And the way he left reminds me of half-baked, y'all. He left like mic drop. If I could get rid of the corruption, I would. He really is the person you want to run for politics, but he doesn't want to play the game. You guys know a lot of us don't want to play the game who listen to Diversified Game. But I'm going to give you the game because his book, you guys, links will be in the description. You have to get this book, if, especially if you have children. Learn how you can get scholarships, internships. He did not come with the silver spoon in his mouth back in the 90s. I'd imagine he had a bandana tied around his head at some point. Maybe, you know, um, he had the typical what we call urban street look. And he's from... South Florida, Opelika, if I remember correctly. So for those of y'all know, that's a city inside of a city, Miami, and it ain't the burbs as of yet. But I got Chief Matthew. What's going on, my bro? From the Miami-Dade Chamber, you see him every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, you see him at every event, and he's helping people. It's never about him. It's all about what he can give. So I'm just happy to have you on here, my bro. How are you doing today? I'm happy to be here, brother. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate the welcoming introduction. Uh, I love the show title, Diversified Game, because that's what we hear is put people on game um, about this life. So much respect for having me here. Um, there was a little correction. I wasn't actually born um, in Opelika. Um, I was actually born in Liberty City, raised um, in Miramar. I just bought my home in Opelika, uh, where a lot of my family have lived for decades. And within a few years of me being there, that took over the city and uh, cleaned it up. So that's what I'm here to do. Okay. Well, thank you for that correction. Liberty City, GTA. Some of y'all only know Liberty City from GTA, and we know GTA 6 is coming out. Let's talk about, I, we could go so many places with this in the beginning, but to become mayor and to become a young mayor, um, does somebody tell you like, yo, I'm going to fund this whole thing for you and you're going to run? Or did you really have to go door to door, knock on doors in the beginning to convince people that being so young, I can do this? And you guys know black don't crack, but you know, we're all still young. If you under 55, you're still young. You know, that's what my pops would say. But give us the game on be the, on your political journey. How did you even say I can do this and and fund it? 
So I was a community organizer. I was uh, trained as a community organizer from DART, I, uh, which is called Direct Action Research Training um, Institute. And I, from when I was in college, I did a lot of community organizing. I did one of the largest marches um, in the school history uh, in regards to the Jenna Six, which is like the Trayvon Martin of my time. So I was very engaged uh, in community organizing. And uh, I actually got involved in politics. I was angry. Uh, one of the uh, shadow mayors tried me, uh, basically ran up on me in the middle of a commission meeting. I got went to three commission meetings um, and was threatened with going to jail by the police just by asking some questions. Um, I had violations put on my house, uh, the mayor disrespecting me. So I, I got angry um, and tried to find others to run for office because I wanted to get all of them out of office. Um, and when I couldn't find anybody, I looked in the mirror and say, why are you over here trying to push others? Like, why not you? And literally on the last day, I filed uh, to run for office. So it wasn't something that I thought about, something that I planned. I've never been one to be um, interested in politics. I've never been a Democrat or a Republican. I'm always non-party affiliated, never been involved in any of those things except for uh, SGA when I was on uh, at Morehouse. Um, so when I filed, um, I was a part of an organization called 100 Black Men. And these some very well connected men um, that's been in office, around office, um, very influential. And I called them up and let them know that I filed to run for office. And they, and to the T, all of them cussed me out. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why Obelaka just? And, and then they uh, started to wrap around support um, and got me connected to some people and taught me the game and and that's when i started to uh fundraise so uh when it comes to organizing or getting into office it's about two things it really is one it's about people uh but you got to get votes and money so uh understanding and being a community organizer um i took time i raised the money uh, and this was a small city so we're talking about uh 1600 people um the, to win the vote it was about 1,600 votes. Uh, so I think my first election, I raised like 20,000, uh, which is more than enough uh, for that type of position. And we got the votes and won by uh, a landslide. So, but I, but I was for commission. So I ran for commission. And then there was an opportunity to completely take over. Uh, there was four out of five seats available if I resigned. So I resigned from commission to run for mayor, bring on the whole team. Um, so that's how I uh, became mayor in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. And you, and I'm, now I'm going for how you got in and going into the end and why you left. Because we hear on the big news stations, we hear it on the YouTube platforms, the corruption and politics. And I've I've interned on the Hill. I've worked on local campaigns in cities. Um, it is almost out of a movie, right? In certain places. And you're like, how can this even happen? What was it like having to kind of 
you, you didn't call anyone out by name per se, but what was it like to try to like be, try to be an honest person in a crooked system? Was it an everyday thing or was it just in the things of, you know, I just couldn't take it anymore because it was one thing too many. Like how did you, you basically dropped the mic and was like, I'm done. What was it that that's what we want to know. That's what I want the next book to be about. I almost want the names, Matt. I couldn't take this person because they were this, they were that. But give us the game on that corruption in politics. Because while you're trying to help people and you, you're you being blocked by, you know, people with their old ways, old crooked ways. So there's an ancient saying called as above, so below. And what goes on in the streets happens also in the boardroom. So... When it comes to being involved in politics, uh, most corruption, first of all, most corruption is legal. So nepotism, a lot of this stuff, most corruption is legal. And then the idea of corruption has to be legally prosecuted. So in order for something to be formally uh, called corruption, number one, um, the somebody has to file a complaint. Two, the police have to, or whatever body has to investigate it, um, they decide to investigate it. Then they have, once it is investigated, they have to uh, say they want to file some type of charge and take it to the um, attorney's office or turn it over to FDLE or whatever the, uh, the prosecuting um, authorities are. That prosecutor's office then has to say they want to take the case and then assign people to actually prosecute it. Then once they prosecute it and say they're going to prosecute, they have to go before a judge and a judge and the jury has to, they have to present the evidence in order to do so. So there's a long line of things in order to deem something actual corruption. Um, but at the end of the day, most of us and in, in general as human beings and people believe that corruption is just dishonesty. Um, not doing the due diligence and not focusing on the fund. So there's a lot of different reasons, countless reasons why um, at the time I, and you got to understand the role of being an elected official, especially a mayor. Uh, you are the representative, the face of the government. No matter what goes on, you are the face of it. You are the leader. So it is on you. So it doesn't matter if somebody uh, steals uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, as an employee, which happened under, uh, while I was there. Uh, that's on you. It doesn't matter if people are hiring uh, those that doesn't don't qualify and are basically getting paid literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over years. That's all on you. So as the elected representative of the government, like not of the people, of the government, that is, I am the face. And there's so many reasons why I had to um, step away. Uh, yes, the, 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 the challenges uh, were uh, immense. Uh, it was the, literally the most challenging municipal government environment um, in the state of Florida. This is Florida, y'all. So hands down. Um, and there are a lot of when you have a city that's that's challenged, many of the basic structures 
aren't there. Um, so there were so many challenges in police, HR, building and licenses, things of that nature that we were tackling. Um, and also I was mayor while um, an international pandemic um, was going on. Um, I had a financial crisis in the city, um, investigation, the police department. Um, there was a lot of things going on. So balancing that out while being working full time is one thing a lot of people don't realize that as a mayor, I literally had to work. So while most folk go to work nine to five and go home to your family, I had to work nine to five while being a mayor dealing with all, all these things. Um, I had wife, kids, and I'm the main breadwinner for. Um, so one of the things that was the the tipping point um, in, in all the challenges going on, decisions that are being made. Uh, number one, I re I achieved probably about ninety five percent of my goals. Um, of running for office and I didn't run for office just to have a title. I ran for office to make some changes uh, to fix some of these potholes. 95% of the potholes are fixed to uh, change up the police. We changed the uh, chief of police, deputy police, all those. Um, we got uh, millions of dollars in infrastructure um, changed a lot of paved all of these roads. Uh, when I was when I first got in, we had 19 pump stations. 18 of them weren't operating up to standard. We fixed uh, almost all of those. So a lot of my goals were accomplished, but there were a lot of challenges in providing for my family. I came in as a single man, um, but then I had a wife and kids, and it got to a point to where. Uh, the internal politics made it to where um, they took health care from my wife and kids uh, in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and all towards the tail end of the pandemic. And after that, I was like, this, this isn't worth it. Like, I have to provide. Like, I'm the one that needs to put food on these people. I'm the one that needs to make sure they have health care. So I had to literally go to work and put in work to provide for my family. So the reason why I left it in that particular way is because there were some things that needed to have a light shined on them. There are some uh, plans that uh, we put in place to ensure that the infrastructure, the parks, recreation, many other things moved. And we were under uh, financial oversight by the state of Florida. We got a couple of people already investigating um, our offices. And I wanted to make sure that uh, those that were there had a very watchful eye on them. So I wanted to bring attention to the level of uh, corruption that was going on and make it clear about the reasons why I, I left and the accomplishments that we had. So. Uh, instead of putting in a, 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 just a, a quick letter like some most folk would have to do uh, when they have to uh, move on, uh, I wanted to make it clear and let the people know that this is what this is what's going on. This is what needs to happen, and also let them know that hey, um, I learned quite a bit about this game, and I'm planning to let everybody know about what that game is and how to run for office 
and be effective in holding governments accountable. So I know that's a long story, but <laughs> that's what we No, nah, but tell it, tell it. This is, you know, it's like Larry King style. I'm, I'm listening to the story. This is where we want to get the game from you. How easy, two-part question, how easy was it for you to fix the things like the potholes and say, this is simple. We're going to do it like this and do that. We'll find the people. We have the talent. And then also how easy is it to go left if you wanted to be a, um, you know, join the corruption. And I say that, and I want to make it clear why I'm asking that, because I'm on apps like Autopilot, where I'm following Nancy Pelosi's trades, right? I'm I'm watching what the politicians do always when they move and and, and, and trying to see, like, what do they know? Why are they doing that? So how easy was it to fix the problems? And how easy would it have been to say, you know what, I'm going to pad my pocket and go make a fortune like many politicians try to do? So number one, it's not easy to solve the solutions. So that's that's that's, do, that's one. But it's extremely easy to join the corruption. Um, the reason why is that uh, majority of... Our elected officials do not know what they're deciding upon and doing. Majority of them are not reading the legislation that is passed before them. They're unaware of the details about um, how to get potholes done, how to balance a budget. You got to understand when someone is elected to office, they're making multi-million dollar decisions on a wide range of topics that they are not experts in. We're not experts in HR and uh, how much or what type of health benefits that uh, uh, hundreds of employees should have. Uh, we're not experts in uh, zoning and what type of a building should go where. Uh, we're not experts in parks and recreation and what type of should be gates, uh, iron gate or open gate or uh, the times. Majority of those, literally majority of the people, 99% of the people elected are not experts in the multi-million dollar life chain decisions that they have to vote upon. So there are a lot of staff that ideally um, are in place in order to um, help with those decisions. So the elected officials are then trying to take and, and, and when you're on an agenda, literally, when you're making these multi-million dollar decisions, there may be like 10, 20 things on these very different topics that you're voting upon. And your yay or nay approves or disapproves these uh, things. So it's very easy just to go up there and just say, yes, 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 yes. And the when you say child, when people are just voting yes, 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 the no is the power of elected official. So whenever someone votes no, that's what you want to look at. That's what you want to see because that means they took a stand. Uh, and 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 you want to know why, and get into that those details because those no's are the power. So. It's easy because you can get elected often and just keep continue to vote yes. 
And then as you continue to vote, yes, you um, staff, people will celebrate you. You'll get to go on these events and they'll put your picture on these events. They do all the work for you because you're the yes person. So you can go out and do these events, these Thanksgiving food drives and all these things. And people think you're doing work uh, when in reality, you're just passing whatever goes by. So majority of the corruption isn't the pot, isn't the uh, politicians, it's the staff. And that's the part that a large folk don't really get. And we can't expect um, unless we, and this is one of the things I think is strongly encouraged. We need to educate and train people on how to be leaders of these government on these different topics. There is very little training that elected officials get to make, like literally I didn't receive any training before I made multi-million dollar decisions. At every job that we do, there's a training period mm -hmm. where the people, the company tell you, this is what you do. This is how you do it. This is why you do it. As elected official, you don't get that. The majority of um, elected office, you just handed some of the rules and guidelines. You may take an ethics training on a certain things, but not on understanding HR, not understanding foreign policy, not understanding all these different things, and then to get that under that guidance. So, so that's why the system is so challenging. So that's the part about uh, the, the corruption. Now, in terms of uh, getting things done, uh, and oh, well, you, you, I saw you had a question, so I, 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 I'll no, no. pause, pause from there. No, 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 finish, please finish. So let, let's take one issue, these potholes, all right? So the potholes were, uh, it took literally three years uh, for me to start moving on these potholes. It took about five for a lot of it to get done. And that had to happen once I got in power. So I was pushing, when I first got elected to office, I was one of, uh, out of five. And they wouldn't want did anything for me. Thankfully, I knew the game and I knew how to be quiet and I knew staff and I had great relationships. I was an intern there uh, with staff. So I would talk with staff and literally uh, behind the scenes, talking to the talking to lit the. Pushing out my vision, because this is, as an elected official, you don't have the ability to direct staff. You can't direct them, but they listen to your words because they want to appease you. So during those commission meetings, when you have those agenda briefing meetings, you speak your opinion. And if they believe you have power or they like you, um, they will start to move in that direction. So I took the time to do that uh, very like, Clearly, I, I I would do that. So um, first, we had to identify all the potholes in the streets. We had to do a study on that. Uh, once it was identified, then we had to identify what were the tools we need. I found that we needed a pothole truck um, to get a lot of this stuff done. We needed the money allocated and a budget to do so. And it didn't start getting done until I won and basically bought on a whole new team. That's when the potholes started to get to get done. And then every single 
uh, uh, meeting, I would ask for a report on where these potholes were because staff is going to give that pushback. So we would continue to ask for those reports and they slowly but surely it got done. When there's major infrastructure project, we made sure we allocated money in the budget um, to repave these streets, let them know exactly how much it costs. And then you just literally had to constantly, constantly push to get it done. But you got to have the power of three out of five, the majority, to make sure that moves forward. Uh, and also a city manager and staff on board to make it happen. So there's a lot of challenges in getting things done because you got to move a whole government institution. These are people that actually do the work. We as elected officials don't do the work. It's the staff that do the work. Mm. So sounds like the book will be kind of like your book on how to get scholarships and internships and jobs. You'll have something for politricians to say, these are maybe the conferences. This is what you need to be learned on. Because right now, you know, in, in a lot of cities, it's who has the most money, uh, maybe who has the most education in places. I'm thinking about even especially like small cities. Um, will you ever write such a thing or have a course um, because you can tell it from a firsthand basis of, you know, this is what we could use training as, as, you know, people who are making the decisions for the community. Of course, of course. It took me 10 years to write that book on the academic hustle. I'm hoping that this book uh, is a lot quicker, uh, but yes, it, it definitely will be coming out. Uh, that's one of the things that I enjoy and love. I just love understanding the game um, and a system and being able to break it down very simply so the masses of people can overcome some of those obstacles and just be effective in getting things done. And that is a key word, effective. You know, we see a lot of young people in various cities across the, oh, I'm going to run for an office. And they think that once they get there, poof, they get the magic pen and become a dictator. And, you know, we have politicians politicians at the highest level who yeah, they live right down the street. They want to be dictators. They want to get in the office and they want to say, this is the way we're going to do it because I said so. Um, how do you humble yourself and all your leadership? Because even when writing a book like this, or even what you do with the Miami-Dade Chamber and for everything you do, you have a very pleasant presence People aren't going to be that. That's not true for everybody. Some people are. And that's why I tell people the Miami-Dade Chamber is the most effective and, and, and best chamber to be a part of, even if you don't live in Miami. I, I don't live in Miami. But where does that come from? How did you you know what? I, I know it's the old people. I know it's the old people, you know, in your life. But what what was that for you? How do you keep that? Mm. Um. No, I, I I had a problem with arrogance. Um, yeah, I, I had a problem with arrogance. No offense or buts about it. Um, I was told that by a lot of family and friends uh, that I had that arrogance. And in order to be effective, you you actually have to have that. Um, so that's that's a part of being very highly success successful because you got to believe in yourself. Uh, belief in self is everything you know when it comes because you're going to do things that a lot of people around you don't agree with um they don't see that vision so you have to have it um what 
has helped me to, I guess, balance it out um, and 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 just be uh, pleasant. Um, I guess it's just how I, my my perspective on the world. Like I, 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 I'm historian. Um, I was trained in history. I'm an African American studies psychology, uh, and I take a long view of this world. And I know that I'm basically a molecule on a grain of sand uh, in this world, and that I've literally my footprint is just a footprint on the sands of time. So things will be washed away. Um, so my whole goal is to just make impacts on people. And you do that by just like people remember those they like simple as that. So I, I, I want to bring smiles to people's faces and make them feel comfortable and cool. So I've adopted that as a mentality of, you know what, let me give to others and just be a service and, that right there just it is something that that I, I enjoy now. Like I thoroughly enjoy people. Like my wife always, when she goes out and about, and uh, either she mentions me or somebody mentions me is like everything. She's like everything changes when they when they mention you, Matt. <laughs> oh you, it's like oh you Matt. Oh I get it. like it is it's it's she she enjoys that and. A lot of my family friends, and I enjoy that. I, I do. I, I do enjoy um, being that type of person that people appreciate. Simple as that. That is that's awesome. Awesome. And and yeah, I would not have thought about, you know, the um, the arrogance or the problem of, because sometimes it's not, I say sometimes it's not arrogance. Sometimes you're telling people or you're teaching people things that they never even thought existed, you know, and, and maybe that's my own arrogance, y'all. You know, maybe Trump and I are Irish twins. A lot of what he says, I, I have an overstanding of because when you're born on June 14th, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if your life can back that up, you know, that's the other thing where you're not just in a delusion. If you've actually done some things and that's the difference, you guys, on why some of you, I don't say everyone has to go to school, but a lot of you need to go to school and why you need to get this book because you're just saying things. You're pulling it out of your arse instead of pulling it out of back. You have school only tests you and it proves that you are an expert in whatever you say you're an expert in. You know, and I put expert in quotes, but talk about why you had felt the need to put this book out and why it took 10 years. Because I'm thinking of all the people who needed it, like myself, you know, five years prior. And, and you and I, I believe, are around the same age. So I would have had to catch you, you know, in school or grad school or something. But why did you put this book out and who is this book for? Let them know. I say it's for every parent and child. Yeah, definitely. The book is for any uh, parent and child that want to be effective once they graduate high school. Uh, so that book doesn't focus on just college. Um, whatever it's about, it's called the academic hustle for a reason. Number one, in this world, if you have to live, you have to hustle. Like this world is not easy. You got to hustle and figure it out if you want to make some money. And learning and education is at the core of doing that. You're going to get training in some way, shape, or form, whether that be through an apprenticeship, learning from a mentor, 
or someone that's looking out for you, going to a community college, going to college, going to vocational training, um, getting clear about what you want to do and why you want to do it. That's the, the why is, is core to the hustle because majority of hustlers have a why they hustle. Um, so just being strategic on how you are navigating this world, getting your education, getting involved, developing the relationships, how you present yourself. Uh, that's what that book breaks down. It's literally the science of high achievement. Um, and it came from my experience. Like I graduated, well, I was in the 11th grade with a 2.1 GPA facing felony charges. I was completely clueless to this where I didn't see myself past 18. So everything that I do now, and um, people say I do like, this is a dream to me, man. <laughs> it really is. because I, I never thought I'd be nowhere near this. So it's kind of like, wow, I'm doing this. This is me. <laughs> this is my life. Um, so, um, yeah, at, at that time, like I, I got caught up and uh, my mother and experiences made me take school seriously. And when I got to Morehouse and I saw the level of success there, I, I couldn't believe there were people living like that. Like I didn't know any men that was like developing um, and shining like that. So um, I um I, I I entered on college with academic probation at all loans. Knew if I failed one class and didn't find the money to pay for school in two years, I would have been kicked out and kicked out of me and locked up uh, like my older brother. Uh, so I turned school into my hustle. And when I came into over $100,000 in scholarships, fellowship rewards, traveled the world, had a, uh, these programs, had a program that paid for me to go to Paris for two weeks uh, where I'm uh, in the Eiffel Tower and rowboat in the back of King Louis Mansion um, in his uh, backyard. Then I got sent to uh, Tanzania and East Africa. I was a discovery kid and I'm in the Serengeti, like uh, uh, looking at all these, uh, look, seeing Rafiki and Mufasa because it was the setting of the Lion King. And I had a condo on a beach with a maid that made me fresh squeezed mango juice every single day. Like I was like, man, this is, re this is possible. And I got paid to do it. <laughs> and, and it looks great on my resume. Like, yeah, I want to show other people that game. Like, because there's a lot of kids that and families that just think it's just, oh, you just got to go to college. Oh, you just got to go to college, get a debt-free degree. Nah, like, there's so much more to this academic hustle. And I wanted to share that um, and show that game and put people, people, others on. And at the end of the day, we need more professionals, this community, and this is one thing I learned as uh, being the elected official um, of uh, one of the first Black cities in Miami-Dade County, we need professionals that can have a steady stream of income, that can donate to campaigns, that can serve in these roles, and HBCUs are the number one generators of Black professionals in the world. So I wanted to make sure that people know how to overcome that obstacle of finances and take full advantage of college and HBCU experience to get paid and develop.
Man, I, I, I love it. I'm still, I'm in Tanzania with you. Tanzania, Uhaligani to y'all, man. All that. I'm I'm just I'm I'm in I'm stuck in Africa right now. Talk about that African experience. Since you put the ring of the ding ding, you know how to get me. I'm gonna talk about it as a proud Sierra Leonean and Cameroon. I, you know, you know how we're tied in. I'm gonna tame my tongue on that. Not gonna let y'all know all the game. But uh talk about that Africa. You talked about, you know, you had your maid, you talked about the 2.0, go from 2.0 to having maids. I had a 1.9 and I had a fast 40 though. And I had a great mother and a great God. But talk about that African experience a little more, because when I talk about it, I think people think, oh, Kellen, that's just you. And that's just because you're out the box, you know, living in your own world. It's not. Everybody who goes to Africa that does not go as a missionary or military that I know has a great experience. You know, as long as you have a great mind and an open mind, I'll say that too. Come with a nasty attitude. Yeah, you got to go. Tira la puerta. But talk about that, please, so they can get it from more than just me and all the other guests I've had on here. What did Africa do for you? Oh, man. Africa completely uh, changed my life and my perspective for this world. Uh, I went there with locks all the way down to my uh, waist. Um, and yeah, as this like pro-black nationalist type person, um, it came out, uh, ready to be strategic and effective, um, in this world. So during that same trip, I went from 10, I went from Paris and that was my first time in Europe. And you go to Europe to see some amazing buildings. Like it's, it's great. Like it's, historic they got a lot of great buildings you go to africa to see life and it was just amazing um on so many levels like so many levels. i've seen some just mind-blowing things but um there was a few things that kind of just changed my life was just the power of african-americans um as a community those of us in the diaspora uh, how powerful we can be. Yeah, I went there when the Leon Sullivan Summit was happening. It happened our literally first few weeks we were there. So we went almost literally from the airport and then we drove out to um, where where they, I forgot where's the name of it. Oh, it's not coming to my mind, but they signed the Rwanda um, genocide peace agreement or something of that nature there. And Leon Sullivan Summit is where a lot of African uh, leaders and entrepreneurs connect with African-American leaders and entrepreneurs. It's been going on for a while, many years. Um, and I had a, a crazy experience where uh, I went to a panel called Youth Activism in Africa. And me being an activist, the moderator was Frank Ski from V103 in Atlanta. And I found myself a part of that experience and almost became a, a, a national figure there. <laughs> it was crazy. It was my first taste of fame. They had me like 
scared actually because they just swarmed me and people will leave like notes at my hotel i'll be in the street i did this uh, this little speech and i'll be in the street and be like rastaman action let's take action <laughs> it was just crazy oh <laughs> uh, but i was so known because of my looks very few people with locks out there um and it just it, it was a it was an eye-opening experience. So I actually ended up planting my roots in the motherland um, and, and left my my hair there um, and, and transformed because I, I saw the, the power. Um, I literally was, I had experience in the Serengeti. And people people always wonder, you, you ever read uh, Aesop's Fables? Um, it's a, 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 mm. a very classic uh, book of stories. It's from a, a African a uh, man and it's a lot about nature and um the relation to life and literally i had an experience seeing a pride of lions and how they blended in perfectly with the environment like perfectly and it made me think about and this also goes back to the question you asked about arrogance um when you're in the serengeti then especially that grasslands like they're, they're, the color of their fur is almost the same color of the grasslands. So you could barely see them in that grasslands. And I'm like, man, the king of the jungle blends in perfectly with the environment. And you will only see him when he's ready to pounce. And when he pounces, he pounces to provide food for his pride. And his pride is his family. Like that's what the actual... The, the, the wife and kids and all of that whole pack is called a pride. I was like, you know what? Here I am being wearing all this blackness on my shoulders and all black. I mean, got my locks um, standing all out. Uh, and the lion, the king of the jungle, can be extremely effective by blending in perfectly. And they pounce for his pride, his family. So that has been the core of how I move now. It's like, it's time to be effective. And we pounce um, when we are ready, and we do that for our family and our community. So, yeah, that that's a, that's what Africa gave me, man. <laughs> I, I I love it. I love it. And you guys, when people are talking about these experiences, or even mentioning books, ASAP Fables, so y'all have read it too. Some of it, the tortoise and the hare. Y'all got a piece of it. Go write these things down, share it with your kids, share it with somebody so they can get the game too. And then of course you tell them, come check us out. Cause this is the place where we're giving these stories. It's, it's not about how much somebody has, but what they've, you know, that journey is, is, is such a beautiful thing. Cause you know why this helps map. So many people think, you know, and they keep hearing all oh, the destination and the journey and they hear all this talk. But sometimes when you're really in it and you're struggling just to make payroll or even pay rent or you're living in a shelter or you're living with friends, you know, and you got a pallet on the floor. You're like, I know this has to be better than this. And there's a lot of ways like you talked about with corruption, especially if you're creative, especially if you I'm going to say if you are from that creative hood space and it, the hood is bigger than a color, y'all, because there's some Italians and Irish that I know in Massachusetts, New England. They feel the same way. Like, how do I get out of this, man? I, I've, I've got legal issues. How do I get out of this? Everyone looks at me like a loser. I look like a bum. And so stories like these help people say, no, nah, this is just part of it. But you don't have to stay in it. 
can you tell the people, uh, you know, you've done so many great things and you've mentioned some of them already, but what's a community give back that you're currently doing or you'd like to do in the future? Before you answer that, I'm going to spoil it for you for because I'm not going to let you get off easy. I'm going to tell y'all, I was telling Matt something just like I put on my hat before we start. He knows who's the creator of this hat. He might help me get the person on. I'm talking about an HBCU picnic or something, and I'm not even knowing who puts it on. It's Matt Tavit. So he just can't get off easy like that because he has things that I don't know about. And this is my way, too, of learning. Man, how do I get on your calendar? So what is a community give back after I spoiled the HBCU picnic and you got some other heat? <laughs> Please share the game. And uh, my biggest thing is mentoring the next generation of black professionals. Like that, that's what I'm focused on. Um, that's what I want to be. That's going to be my role is to be a mentor for this next generation of black professionals. Uh, and the number one generator of black professionals are HBCUs. So uh, I'm developing and really scaling. Uh, we got an HBCU scholarship community on Facebook group uh, that probably by the end of this year will reach 10,000 members. Um, and that's been growing extremely fast. Uh, and also we have the HBCU picnic, uh, which has become the largest HBCU picnic in the nation and the largest black professional event in South Florida. Uh, and a great thing about that is that it's the picnic for black professionals and the decision makers in South Florida. Uh, people don't realize how connected HBCU alumni are, but it's every single city, every single field, you're going to see at the very top HBCU alumni. If you go to Miami-Dade County, we have, uh, I think it's 13 on, on the council. Four of them are Black. Three of them are HBCU graduates. On um, state the, the school board, there's nine people on the council. Two of them are Black. Both are HBCU alumni. Um, city of Miami Gardens, the largest black city in the state of Florida. Uh, I think they have a council of seven. I think four of them are HBCU alumni. I mean, I think three of them from the local HBCU. So the level of power that HBCU alumni have is just amazing. And I want people to realize that. I want HBCU alumni to realize that. So we do this picnic every year. Uh, now it's at Florida Moore University, the only HBCU in South Florida. Uh, and it's like a who's who event. And the thing that's different is that this is in family. I'm really big on family. Uh, so the amazing thing about the picnic is that it's not like a gala where you got to get all dressed up and network and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You kind of put that mask on of I'm this, I'm that, da-da-da-da-da. No, that's a picnic. You got your kids running around, uh, having fun because we have a whole kids zone. So we made sure the kids got things to do so they could just run um, and do their thing. Uh, bounce houses, games, all type of stuff. So the kids are there. It's in uh, Miami Gardens, all black city. We got all black police officers. It's got it's on Florida Moore U campus. So it's roped off as a private institution. So it just it's like an HBCU experience. Like it's all black everything. Like <laughs> black police officers, firefighters, um, all of the staff are there. So it's all all black everything. And then you have 
um, your grandma there, great grandma, great auntie. And many of us went to different HBCUs. So it's different from going to like an alumni picnic where it's just your alumni. And some people don't want to go just to the alumni, but you got literally everybody there, like everybody, Howard, Hampton, Grambling, St. Augustine, uh, Alabama, Morehouse. It's, it's just a beautiful experience. And you know what we do? We got games, space, food. Everybody come, everybody eats. We got food trucks, but people bring food. So when you have an event with Black folk, all you need is food, music, and them. And that's what we do. <laughs> and it's just an amazing time. So it has grown every single year last year it actually doubled every year growing like 30 percent because once someone comes once they like oh i'm coming like period <laughs> it's become their iconic event of the year like they are going to come to the picnic and it's just great because you see some of the most powerful and influential people in south florida they're just chilling relaxing hanging out talking stuff reliving those memories because some of us went to school and we went to go homecoming to visit our cousin and all those other areas and everybody's there so it's a beautiful experience man something that i just love uh putting together uh i work with and it's something i work with uh some brother josh jones has been the main sponsor of it uh clark atlanta graduate uh melody miller she's uh Har howard uh, alumni three of us come together we pull together over 25 hbcu alumni associations greek letter organizations so it's a it's a community organizing effort because literally it's all these leaders so of the different alumni and we just have a great time together man so uh it's something i enjoy doing uh this year we're going to be giving out scholarships uh, we uh, hopefully my goal is to make it one of the largest fundraising events uh, for HBCUs in the state of Florida. Um, so it's just something that we're just going to continue to to build and develop. So the first level was to get people there. Second level was to build up our alumni associations because they're at the core of bringing the HBCU experience to South Florida. And then the last piece is uh, fundraising and building and providing scholarships to students from South Florida going to HBCU. So yeah, that that's going to be the event for me uh, moving forward. And if you guys want more information on it, you know, links in the description, but you could put, you know, HBCU picnic, you'll see Eventbrite and the, you know, the different sites where you can find out and follow. I, I was, I was a little sad that I couldn't go to the last one because I had it laid out, but Grambling had called. And when your wife has a dream and you get to book her to do her thing um, and, and share her experience, I, I, I couldn't, I, I just in a tight bond, but I, I just, I love this. And I had my Grambling alumni folks out there. I know they represent it. Let the people know when they can get a podcast out of you, a regular podcast, your own podcast, if it's in the books, um, possibly the next book we had mentioned, you know, for the politricians, maybe there's another one coming, but how do they get this, this game, this help uh, more often where, you know, wherever you're giving it, 
So I would encourage them um, to visit, join our HBCU scholarship community on Facebook, go to HBCU scholarship community on Facebook, or go to www.academichustle.com or www.matthewpigot.com. Uh, if you want to book me to speak, um, go to matthewpigot.com. If you want more about academic hustle, go to academichustle.com and then join the community. Uh, every Wednesday night, um, I'm online sharing about college and career development and putting people on game. Um, on Tuesdays I, for Miami Day Chamber of Commerce, I bring together 40 to 60 business owners to um, help them develop and scale their business. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very reachable. So just reach out and we're here. And this is real game you can use. This isn't Airbnb plays and Turo plays and AstroTurfing. This is something that you can say, oh, I can do this. Anybody can do this. You know, um, I, and, I, and I love it. I could talk to Matt all day long, but he got things to do, you know, and things got to happen without him. They don't. So I appreciate your time. I want people to link in the description, wherever you experience this podcast, make sure that you like it, make sure you subscribe to it, but more importantly, even make sure you share this game with somebody. It will change their life. Y'all be blessed. Hello everyone. This is Latasha Blanton from the real South Africa travel and tourism. And you're going to have the opportunity to travel with Phil Scott to sunny South Africa. You guys are going to have the opportunity to come to Johannesburg and you guys are going to be coming to Durban and we're going to set it up perfectly. It's going to be like a luxury experience for you guys. At the same time, you're going to be getting some culture. And of course, you're going to get an opportunity to talk to Phil, hang out with Phil and get his views on Africa and South Africa. You're also going to get an opportunity to explore the lifestyles here that are available in South Africa. And we're going to do all that for you in an amazing 10 days. We do hope that you go to the website and book because we do look forward to seeing you here. Absolutely. Our website is therealsouthafrica.com. Go there, scroll down. You'll see a picture of Phil and just go ahead and book there. So we'll see you here in what we like to call sunny, sunny South, South Africa. Africa. Are you tired of the rat race in America? Are you ready to visit the motherland to relax and rejuvenate? Are you ready to explore all that Africa has to offer? Then check out the brand new Diversified Game Academy course, Prepare for My First Trip to Africa. Are you worried about being able to afford the trip? We got you. We will show you how to travel either on a budget or as a baller. Learn how to stress the value of the USD. Did you know that 100 United States dollars is worth over 1,000 South African Rand or 10,000 Kenyan shillings? or 54,250 West African CFA. Are you worried about taking your kids? Get the game from Kellen Cash, a bona fide world traveler, having traveled to almost 20 countries, several of those in Africa. Get the game on taking your kids on their first trips. Learn how to find the best tickets, get the visas, and plan your own adventures in Africa. Don't let Eddie Murphy have all the fun. Plan your own coming to Africa trip starring you, produced by you, and featuring you. If you are ready for a life-changing experience, sign up for our course today, Diversified Game Academy. Get prepared and purchase at DiversifiedGame.com.